0: Hey everybody out there in football land, welcome to another edition of the Gridiron Graduates and Happy New Year everybody. We are recording this on January 1st so happy start of 2016 to all you out there. I'm your man Bill Rossetti joining you as always and joining me for the first time this year is my <laughs> buddy Ian Warren. Ian it's been so long it feels like we haven't talked since last year.
1: <laughs> That's the uh... That's pretty accurate, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, my friend. Happy
0: New Year, bud. How, how was your holiday? Because we have to before Christmas, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty good. I uh, spent it with family and uh, really can't complain too much. So, good, good. Uh, looking, uh, it's been football-filled, which is a good thing. Um, yes. And, and more to come this weekend, obviously. Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Here we are. 2016 already um before we get into some of the topics i just want to look back at 2015 for a little bit and just kind of talk about this show um you know it's been hard to believe it's been about seven months almost eight months now that uh you and i have been recording this show and you know it's been real great you know obviously back in june we started i was really excited to get going and uh obviously we've been going pretty strong since then and we've had a lot of good guests on during the year for these uh for our first seven months together you know guys like matt Harmon, sigmund bloom dan hatman jeff risden you know it's been a it was a fun tw- fun 2015 i'd say for us
1: oh absolutely absolutely it was a great year uh definitely definitely hoping everyone has a uh Happy, healthy, and and on the track to getting wealthy. Twenty sixteen. Um, nice. Definitely want everyone to be successful, and uh, at least for me, and and, and I believe for you, twenty fifteen was a good springboard. So mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to the, what, what this year brings.
0: Yep. Yeah. Hopefully, twenty sixteen brings a good future to this show as well. Hopefully, to you know, continue strong with the two of us, and then. Some other outsiders and just get to keep the football talk going year round because that's what we love to do, right? It's always, oh, a, yeah, definitely. It's always a fun time. So, uh, yeah. So that was a quick look back at 2015, but now of course it's time to move forward. It's 2016, and uh, let's kick it off with a bang. Let's start by talking about some of the happenings over the week, and I think we have to start. In Philadelphia, with the surprise firing—or as they put it in their announcement—release of Chip Kelly. Um, obviously, very stunning when the news broke. Not just because of, you know, the fact that they fired him, but the fact of the timing of the firing. You know, the Tuesday of the final regular season week. You know, it's re- it was really weird that, you know, with just one game left, you know, he doesn't even make it to the final game of the season before they give him the boot, uh, and just, I, I, I was floored when I saw on Twitter from, like, guys like Mike Garofalo and whatnot, you know, it, it's all, it was one of those stories, like, you had to go back and ch- check and double check to be like, okay, is this a real Twitter account?
1: Yeah, did Chaps, a, did, did Chaps tweet that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> our, our boy
0: Chaps, because he, uh, he's gotten me a couple times. No, oh,
1: he's so good at it.
0: He, he really is. He honestly is. So uh, Chaps, if you're listening, big ups to you, man. So, uh, But no, the news was real, and uh, Chip Kelly is out in uh, Philadelphia after a disappointing 2015. So uh, what was your take on this?
1: Um, you know, I, I was really surprised and, and like you said, mostly because of the timing, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big chip for Kelly fan, but it's clear that that something behind the scenes. Um, and you know, it's not really a secret. It seemed like his players just didn't really, um, relate to him too well. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's something that he's going to learn about and he's, you know, that's going to be his big takeaway from this job. Uh, kind of how to handle NFL locker rooms because it's a much different atmosphere. Um, but I'm still a big Chip Kelly fan, and what he does, what he's willing to do in the NFL is something that you know people aren't comfortable with. And that's why a lot of people, I think project their negativity on him. I'm personally a, a fan of trying to change things and and bring new ideas into the the conversation and 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 winning your way. Uh, at least trying to win your way. He was obviously very successful with a pretty mediocre um, quarterback for a couple years, and, uh, you know, he made some personnel decisions that that weren't great, but uh, all in all, you know, most of those personnel decisions were a a moot point. Um, The only one that really – the two that stood out to me were letting Evan Mathis go for no compensation and not replacing him and letting Jeremy Macklin go without a, a realistic uh, replacement. Mm-hmm. To me, the Deshaun Jackson thing wasn't a big deal. Deshaun Jackson's hurt all the time. He's expensive. Um, he's a malcontent in the locker room. You know, I, I understand not wanting to put up with that. Deshaun McCoy, same thing. Personality-wise, you know, he's you got to have gloves on with him. Um, and he's oft, He's often hurt as well, and again, expensive. So, you know, those things, people like to point to those, yeah, those guys are amazing playmakers, but, you know, this was something that Washington here locally we were talking about, uh, at least the local radio was, they were ready to let go of Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson here um, at the end of the season before these last couple weeks. Hmm. And reason being is that what's the value of a player that's only on the field, you know, 40 50 60 percent of the games I I'm not sure that that player is worth that much even if they're an elite playmaker when they do play um, so it's it's a tough conversation and I, I, I hope that another team gives chip Kelly a chance and I'm sure that they will um, whether it be Miami or uh, Tennessee um, you know there's, there's several spots I think where he'd be a really good fit but I think that just from the outsider's perspective, and I'm sure you can shed more light on this than I. Um, but I think his big key now is is finding that middle ground of relating to players mm-hmm. and, and and making that work because that from what it seems and from what I you know I've just kind of read from others is Pete Carroll made the same mistakes his first go around in the NFL, Bill Belichick made the same mistakes especially. Um, you know, some people say that's the exact same situation as what happened to Bill Belichick. Uh, media hated him, didn't really rub people the right way. And, uh, you know, he ended up obviously getting fired in Cleveland. And And will Ch- Chip Kelly beat Bill Belichick? I, I, I doubt it, just because, I mean, it's never fair to, I think, ever say that about somebody yeah. uh, to become one of the all-time greatest in anything. Um, but I mean, would it surprise me if he bounces back with another team and is very successful? Absolutely not. Because he was very successful, um, even with the Eagles in three years, I mean, 26 and 21 with pretty average to, to below average quarterbacks is really impressive.
0: Yeah. I mean, Mike Clay, you know, another great guy that I respect a lot on Twitter brought up a real good point. You know, everyone like you said, a lot of people are making a big deal of, you know, the Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, Jeremy Macklin being let go, you know, because, you know, they were the star players on this team that Chip Kelly released to try to overhaul this team. Well, Mike Clay mentioned that this team was 4-12 and when Chip Kelly took over. And last I checked, all three of those players were on that roster that only won four games. So it's not like Chip Kelly took over, you know, a Super Bowl winning team or a team that was coming off a fantastic season. You know, th- this was a team that had a top five draft pick and just, you know, imploded in Andy Reid's final year. You know, and yeah, some of the players that he brought in to replace those guys obviously haven't completely panned out. You know, DeMarco Murray has been a bust. Uh, Kiko Lonzo, uh either couldn't stay on the field or was just invisible when he was on the field, which was unfortunate because I was a huge fan of Kiko Alonso. So, you know, when, when the trade was made, it was like, okay, wow, they traded LaShawn McCoy. But on the other hand, they're getting a talented, young, very cheap inside linebacker that they can build around, you know, a kid that was coming off what being one of the league leaders or the league leader in tackles his rookie season. You know, so, so I was excited to see Kiko Alonso. unfortunately, he didn't pan out either, so.
1: And he, he still could, I think, coming back from that injury. Yeah, I mean. Um, you know, his his future still has upside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, year one coming back after an injury into a new scheme, um, new team, you know, you can expect some improvement, I think, there over the course of time.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be another issue, too. He'll probably have to learn another new scheme because you're probably looking at a new defensive coordinator under whoever the head coach becomes. And I wouldn't be surprised if Philly goes back to a 4-3 because obviously the pieces that they have on defense are built towards a 4-3. Because, you know, a bunch of these players are still Andy Reid disciples, namely Fletcher Cox, who I think is better suited as a 4-3 D tackle like probably a three-tack, you know, so if, if, if you move back to a 4-3 and you have, say, Kiko play the middle middle linebacker and, you know, allow you to put Brandon Graham at the end and kind of mix and match pieces, so, you know, there's, there's, there's still some potential there, again, depending on who the coach is, but yeah, so some of the players didn't pan out, and obviously Eagles fans are... We're not too happy about it so you can imagine that a lot of people were very thrilled to see Chip go because they were because in their eyes of course Chip Kelly ruined the Eagles team.
1: It's so weird to me. <laughs> I mean it, it they had a bad year, but I mean man to say that like you ruined them it's, I mean it's still this might be like one of the better jobs available. I mean that's just kind of my takeaway mm-hmm. is that this is one of the better jobs open right now. Um, I, I, like I said, I think the only thing that he did wrong was really losing the locker room, yeah. which, you know, that, that is a fireable offense. You know, if you, it's I easier to change bad. the head coach than it is the players, that many players. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to say he ruined the team, I, I just can't agree with that. I mean, this is a quick rebuild if you get the right coach. Mm-hmm. All you really need is to figure out what you want to do, a quarterback for the long term. And they're in a good spot to actually do that. I was actually hoping that they would pick up Jared Goff um, in the draft, or even Paxton Lynch, and see where that takes them, or even Carson Wentz. Heck, I mean, I, I can make the case for a couple of these guys because those are the type of players that you can you can actually plug and play fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in this type of offense, because he makes it so easy for the quarterback to succeed.
0: hmm Um, and. You know the Eagles right now are sitting just outside of the top ten of the draft. Could sneak into the top ten if they lose to the Giants. Um, so they could be in position to take one of those quarterbacks if they want to. I mean, probably not going to get Goff unless you trade up.
1: But I wouldn't be surprised if if he gets teddied. Remember what happened with Bridgewater? Yeah, People that's true. People picked him apart. Yep. And they didn't like his frame. They didn't like, you know, certain certain parts of him. I just wouldn't be the wouldn't be surprised. People just fall in love so much with with the size of of players, not just quarterbacks, but players in general. Mm-hmm. And I agree, like you do need to have you know certain size, but it's not like he's five ten, you know, he's not Johnny Manziel size. And that's like the and like if you're talking about a quarterback and your number one positive on a player is size or athleticism, honestly, that doesn't sound like a good quarterback to me that sounds like either an athlete or just someone that looks the part. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, you know, I'm a big golf fan um, because his his pocket, ability to win in the pocket. And I think that, that you know, I'm not going to go too far down that road, but, um, you know, I think that the NFL will end up missing on him, kind of like they did Teddy Bridgewater, because they were concerned with really trivial issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're big enough to get hit as many times as, Goff was this year at Cal, which he was smashed around, and you know he got banged up a couple times, but he never missed time, missed too much time, so he never missed a game. So, Um, but yeah, I mean, I I really think this team wasn't too far. And you know, I know people point to the Byron Maxwell signing as well, um, but whenever you play free agency, you're going to overspend, and they did upgrade the position. I mean, Maxwell wasn't great, but he was better than what was there before. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you have to keep in mind with that. It's like everyone overpays in free agency, mm-hmm. so it's just it's just the name of the game. That's why you've got to re-sign your talent before they hit free agency to really get any type of deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at a team like the Steelers. You know, just kind of going off topic quick with uh, Antonio Brown. You know that they were able to lock him up before he hit free agency, and now that that looks that contract looks like a steal for the Steelers, no pun intended, Um, but yeah, you're you're right, it was definitely an improvement over what they had, and I mean, they still won 10 games with guys like Michael Vick and Nick Foles at quarterback, and you know, obviously Michael Vick at the time was not even what he was in 2010 when he had the magical year, and of course, Nick Foles had the, you know, the fluke of a season in 2013 and you know now he's it's almost like he kind of he's kind of Matt Flynn he's like yeah. the new Matt Flynn he's taken one season and really kind of cashing in on that you know because he got that contract with the Rams and look what happened he's, he was benched during the season um, and you know looking at the division I mean Washington you know they're still a pretty so-so team and they'll get a, quote-unquote, first-place schedule next season. I mean, you know, when, when we talk about schedules within the division, they're pretty much the same except for, like, two games for each team. Um, you know, so for Washington, like, they'll play Carolina and Arizona, whereas no one else in the NFC East will. So, you know, they might come back to earth a little bit. So, you know, if you pick up the right pieces you know you're certainly certainly back in contention um i am going to be curious though who they look at as head coach you know obviously sean mcdermott's name has come up a couple times because of the philadelphia connection he's a jim johnson disciple uh he did struggle a little bit though in his first tenure as eagles defensive coordinator but you could tell he certainly learned from it uh, and really improved himself with the panthers now obviously with the Panthers, he's dealing with a lot of talent there, but, you know, coaching is still, you know, part of the game.
1: Yeah, and, definitely. Um, you know, and, so. and I think that he'd be inheriting more talent too than what mm-hmm. he left, um, you know, last time he was with Philadelphia. It's not to say that they weren't talented, but I mean, I think that the group that they have now, um, although more injury prone, which that's an issue that that really hurt um, Chip's kind of quest this year. Mm-hmm. Um, were injuries, and so you've got to got to figure out that can you, you know can you trust some of these guys that have now been banged up a couple of years in a row? Um, what do you want to do with them moving forward? Um, but I, I think he's a really good fit, man. And I, I, like you mentioned, I know that it wasn't too pretty, but he was a guy that was that was really built through that organization, you know. Mm-hmm. I like seeing someone that's been with a, uh, a team for 10 years and they've gone up the ranks from you know for example like scout to defensive back coach to assistant head coach mm-hmm. to just defensive coordinator. that's what he's he did there and whether it be Philly or another team, I think that that's a positive and and like you said what he's done in Carolina again with a lot of talent but he's had his hand on those with those guys too. You know he's helped develop those players. He's helped assemble a staff um, of quality positional coaches, and he's helped maximize those players with a system. Um, you know from other great defensive lines. So I think he's he should definitely be a candidate, whether it be for this job or, or others.
0: Absolutely, oh, absolutely. I mean, even a couple of years like the front seven was talented, but the secondary wasn't as talented. But he did a good job masking those deficiencies in the secondary. You know, so it could be a similar situation in Philadelphia where maybe he takes the front seven, build something to kind of help the secondary. Um, another another guy I'd be interested in, though, too, is Adam Gase. You know, I'm a I'm starting to become a big fan of Gase uh, after seeing, you know, obvi- obviously he he had his success in Denver with Peyton Manning. But I think he's showing that, you know, he's more than just he was more than just. Peyton Manning's right hand man when he was in Denver you know what he did in Chicago this year with Jay Cutler is very impressive and you know it would would not be surprised to see him as you know say one of the leading candidates or one of the most interviewed coaches when we get to the offseason and you know looking around the league there are going to be a number of teams that are going to be looking for a new head coach obviously Philly Miami um San Francisco is probably going to be looking for a new coach. The Giants may be looking. Detroit. Uh, there was just a report that came out that San Diego might have an opening soon. So there, there's going to be a lot of openings and certainly some good names that uh, that will be floating around to try to fill some of these spots. So... Um, Yes, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how that goes.
1: <clears throat> do you Do you have any um, favorites for for the Philly job? Like uh, I would like probably he,
0: guess McDermott.
1: You know, off would the that top be, of my
0: head right now.
1: Yeah, like would you Would you prefer to go defensive coach or would you prefer like offensive coach? Um, you know, some candidates that that people talk about are um, guys like Hugh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Gase, um, Kyle Shanahan, although it's kind of died down a little bit more recently. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it should. By the way, I think he's. I think he's going to be a heck of a coach. Mike Shanahan is another guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hired somewhere um, this off season. Um, you know, would you like to go offensive again, or would you? Would you rather go defense? Because then you could kind of go. There's Matt Patricia in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned McDermott a couple. You know, we talked about him. Um, but there's definitely defensive guys out there as well.
0: Yeah, I, I would say probably, you know, if I were to go defensive, McDermott would probably be my top candidate on offense. Like I said, Adam Gaze. Um Yeah, I'm not sure right now which way I'd go. Uh, that, that's a good question. I, I'd pro- I guess I'd be on the defensive side. I, I guess if I had to choose, I'd maybe lean – slightly toward the defensive side and maybe bringing in a guy like mcdermott um but if, if they go with you know an offensive guy like gase or hugh jackson or whomever you know that'll be fine because they certainly have a lot of offensive talent um you know because i'm not sure who mcdermott would bring in as his offensive coordinator or, you know who's going to be available so yeah you know i'll be uh i'll be really curious as to which way do they decide to go at least the nice thing is caroline's gonna have a buy so if philly wants to they can interview mcdermott uh next week if they so choose because they let uh you know teams that are on a buy those assistant coaches interview for head coaching jobs so it should be uh it should be fun so let's uh so that was a good talk, and, you know, as the offseason moves on, we'll certainly be talking more of these coaching openings because, you know, with the regular season coming to an end, God, I can't believe we're saying this already. Week yeah. 17 is Sunday already, which, of course, means Monday is Black Monday where all the coaches are going to be fired. So, you know, I'm sure by next week we'll be talking a lot more job openings than just uh, – the couple that we have right now with what Philly, Miami and Tennessee, I think are the only ones. At this yeah.
1: Point. I believe the Browns um, are expected Brown's to probably
0: fire. fire Patton, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Greg Linton on Twitter at agent Linton um, tweeted just a little bit ago that he said as many as nine jobs could be open. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where, you know, he's seeing those openings, but that would be a pretty shocking number um, considering that the, the bulk of quality college jobs that were open mm-hmm. as well you know i'm not sure <laughs> some of these teams i think uh, might get stuck with like a mike pettin type, uh, type yeah you're
0: gonna end up seeing some retreads
1: yeah um, either some ugly retreads or some you know never heard of coordinators I, I'm, I, I'm
0: sorry i didn't mean to cut you off um, yeah no, name no
1: came,
0: you know i was hearing somewhere too a name that might pop up for philly as well doug marone Yep. For talking retreads.
1: Yep. He's been mentioned for Miami um, as well, and and kind of here's my my thoughts. One on Marone. I'll say this is that like he looks better than he did a year ago. After seeing what Rex did with the same roster Mm -hmm. um, and a better quarterback, so Marone got more out of the same roster, minus you know Tyrod Taylor. He was working with EJ Manuel, so. I think he's actually he might be a quality guy. He's got a good good reputation across the league. He did he did good things with Syracuse as well. Um, So I think he might actually be a better hire than what people expect. Uh, But I'll also say too is, especially when when hiring coordinators, I don't think it's fair to even judge right away. Like I wouldn't get too high and I wouldn't get too low, off of uh, any type of hire until we start seeing what they've got. Actually coaching, and mm-hmm. building a roster, um, building a coaching staff. That's very important as well. You need strong coordinators um, because we just don't know. And we saw some guys get hired and fired last offseason. So, for example, Cleveland hired um, the quarterback's coach for Oakland as their offensive coordinator, um, Filippo. And no one knew who he was, but he did a nice job this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Olsen was fired, the offensive coordinator in, in Jacksonville was, was fired and he went to Oakland. know, he didn't work out well in Jacksonville, but he did a pretty nice job in Oakland. So, you know, it's it's really hard to know. It's so, it's so difficult to really know who's got what, who's going to be a good coach. Like, no one knew that Bruce Arians would be a top three or five coach in the NFL. And if anyone would have, Well, the Colts wouldn't be firing Chuck Pagano this week. Um, You know, they would have just kept. They would have fired him back when, and then they would have kept Arians. Mm -hmm. And the Steelers, who knows? I mean, maybe the Steelers, if they would have known, they wouldn't have forced him out as offensive coordinator all those years ago Mm -hmm. for Todd Haley, or they would have maybe gotten rid of Mike Tomlin had they known. So, um, you know, you just you don't know until someone gets in there, and you've got to have a strong relationship with the front office. And the owner and everyone needs to be on the same page as far as what it takes to build a winner. So, um, you know, I hope some of these teams that have been perennial losers finally start to figure this out. You know, it's 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 a difficult thing to do. As far as you kind of got to get lucky with your hires. Um, sometimes even big name guys don't work out, and so it's it's it, there's no exact formula for it. But um, you know, these teams that keep recycling front offices and head coaches every you know two three four years that's not the formula for success i'll tell you that
0: mm-hmm. yeah so it should be a should be an interesting monday to see which openings come up and how many we end up with uh so let's move on to stuff on the field let's talk about the playoff picture with just one week left in the regular season it's a sad time, you know, I, it, it's bittersweet obviously, you know, he, it's exciting that, you know, it's, you know, playoffs are coming up, but then that also means of course, you know, the end of the season is near, because after today, or after Sunday, we say goodbye to 20 teams, so it's, uh, it's bittersweet to say goodbye to another regular season, but here we are week 17, and uh, not not a whole lot of drama in the playoff pictures we kind of discussed last week. Uh, the NFC, of course, is pretty much set. The six teams are in. It's all about seeding at this point. We know Carolina and Arizona will be the top two seeds. It's just a matter of which order, um, because Carolina had a chance to wrap up home field, but they stumbled last week against Atlanta, suffering their first loss. Uh, I thought the Falcons actually played pretty decently, especially on defense in that game, so... Credit to them, but uh, Carolina, they got Tampa Bay this week. Arizona hosts Seattle. Those games will decide the number one seed. The uh, Sunday night game, of course, will decide the NFC North title, Green Bay and Minnesota. Winner there will be the three seed. Loser will be either the five or or the six, depending on what Seattle does. And, of course, Washington locked into the four seed. And then over in the AFC... You have uh, New England, of course, sitting as the number one seed right now at 12-3. and three. Denver beat Cincinnati in overtime on Monday night to take control of the two-seed and clinch a playoff spot. Uh, so unfortunate for the Bengals. I really thought they had a shot to get a first-round bye. Probably blew that chance. Looks like they're going to have to play on wild-card weekend now unless uh, San Diego stuns Denver. The Texans holding down the four seed, and we'll get to the crazy scenario that needs to happen to knock Houston out. Kansas City holds the five seed, and the Jets took over the sixth seed after the Steelers shot themselves in the foot against the Ravens. So now the Jets control their own destiny for a playoff spot. All they have to do is beat Buffalo. And they are in. So looking at the playoff picture and what we got coming up in Week 17? What's your take? What do you think's gonna happen? What are you looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I'm. First off, I'm just I'm shocked how last week played out. Um, yeah. The Ravens winning against Pittsburgh. Yep. I mean that could change the entire AFC outlook mm-hmm. because Pittsburgh was one of those teams where they had they had a fairly healthy offense, but the where they're healthy is really where it matters. Ben Roethlisberger deep wide receiver crew, um, D'Angelo Williams good enough uh, to carry the load. So, you know, this team could have done a lot of damage had they made the playoffs, especially when you look at Brock Osweiler struggling, especially when you look at A.G. McCarron or um, Wedding Keith Wedding being a starter in, in uh, uh, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. That spelled a really good recipe for either Pittsburgh or... Kansas city to make a run in the playoffs. Now you're really looking at who's the second best quarterback in the AFC playoffs. You're saying it's Alex Smith, Alex Smith, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's going to be really gross. um, As far as quarterback (laughs) for the AFC, but I mean, I think that it matches up well. So in week 17, what I'm looking for is, you know, Houston, they, they're probably going to clinch. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Colts just need way too much to, to make it happen. Um, so, for the AFC, I just want to see, like you mentioned, who, who gets the second, first, second, and third seeds. Um, can these teams just kind of close out Denver and New England? And, you know, I, I kind of hope that, and I have no real bias or allegiance to these teams, but I hope Cincinnati can somehow steal that second seed so that Andy Dalton maybe can come back second round of the playoffs and then we can have like a legitimate team. I really want to see what this team is in the playoffs mm-hmm. and I feel like this was their best year and then but if they don't have you know Dalton back there then they have no chance they just have zero chance. Um, they might win the first week, but I mean to be honest with you, I think the two best teams playing in this conference right now are Kansas City and the Jets and those are wild card teams and that's also because they're healthy. You know, they, they've, they've had some injuries, of course. Jamal Charles is a big one. Um, but the grand scheme of things, the Patriots, almost their entire roster is hurt. So, you know, it, it's it's just one of those things where the, those teams are playing really well right now. The Jets, I think, have won like five straight. Um, Chiefs have won 100 games straight, it seems, <laughs> um, to get in this position. So, um, NFC-wise, I, I want to just see There's there's really only one game I care about. Minnesota Green Bay, Mm -hmm. who wins? And it gives one-team home-field advantage in the first week, and it could also pay off down the line as well um, if one of the top two seeds fall, although I think Carolina and uh, and Arizona are are clearly the two best teams, probably in the NFL right now.
0: Um, Just to go back quick, for those that may have missed – The Colts scenario, they need to obviously beat Tennessee, which is possible because Tennessee won't have Mariota. They need Houston to lose to Jacksonville. And they need, as LeBron James would put it, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven other teams to win. They need Buffalo, Miami, Atlanta, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, uh, Oakland, and Denver to all win for the Colts to get into the playoffs.
1: That's crazy. (laughs) That is really crazy.
0: Because then that would create, because then that would put Indianapolis in the playoffs on the sixth division tiebreaker, which would be strength of schedule. Jeez. I mean, how crazy is that that they have to go all the way down that far? Because they'd be tied at eight and eight, they split head to head, they'd both be three and three in the division, they'd both be six and six in common games, six and six in conference games, um, and this scenario would end have them tied in strength of victory. Indy cannot win on strength of victory either, so they'd have to go to the next schedule, next tiebreaker, which is strength of schedule. That's why they also need Oakland. And Pittsburgh to both win so they can clinch that tiebreaker you probably have a better chance of being struck by lightning twice than the Colts do of making the playoffs at this point point. and obviously this is a reason why Chuck Pagano is probably about to coach his final game with the Colts because the Colts obviously face planted this year I mean they were they were my pick to win the AFC and they're gonna go they're gonna finish eight and eight and out of the playoffs. Obviously injuries played a big part in that, but yeah, you know, and even when Andrew Luck was in, he wasn't the Andrew Luck that we knew the last couple of years. You know, he, he struggled a little bit. Um, but what's sad for the Colts is that they don't realize that they also have a terrible general manager. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, you know, Pagano's might deserve some of the blame, but um, it's also time to hold Ryan Grigson accountable because I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's part of the reason why Andrew Luck was hurt. <laughs> like yeah. they've, they've, they've tried to invest. They've invested really well at wide receiver and tight end around him. Um, they've tried to invest a lot of resources into the offensive line, but it's just been a lot of bad evaluation. Um, they honestly need probably four new starters on that offensive line. You know, Jack Muhort's really the only guy I would actually move forward with um, as, a, as a guy that you're not going to look to replace. And, you know, and defensively. And, and on one hand, I feel a little bit for Pagano because, again, he really hasn't been given a ton of talent, but he also hasn't made any of them better. You know, the, 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 the only guys that he's made, quote-unquote, better are Vontae Davis, but he was also a very young player when they acquired him, and no one's going to – you know, I can't really sit there and say that he was the reason why um, that he got better. And, you know, some of their young guys, David Perry – um, Henry Anderson, those guys were playing well um, this season, but you know it's it's one of those situations where I think they just need to clean out both guys. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you might as well just hand Houston the AFC South title now. Um, and I think Houston will probably beat Jacksonville anyway. Um, Jags have a lot of guys that are injured and going to be out for this week, you know, namely T.J. Yeldon. So. Uh, it's going to be pretty crazy. Houston looks like they're going to have a second straight 9-7 and season. Bill O'Brien's going to lead them to the playoffs in their second year with a merry-go-round to quarterback, <laughs> including Brandon Whedon. I, I can't believe Brandon Whedon is about to lead the Houston Texans.
1: That's to the insane. Playoffs. I, I would have never never thought those words would come out. Yeah, if, if you would have told
0: me Brandon Whedon would have led a Texas team to the playoffs, you would have... Well, first, we would have said you were not. Second, we would (laughs) have figured it would have been the Cowboys. Right. (laughs) After Tony Romo went down. But no, it's going to end up being the Houston Texans that he's leading into the playoffs. Unfortunately, though, Houston looks like they're going to run right smack into Kansas City in the first round of the playoffs, which will not be a good matchup for them.
1: No. No, that's one of those where you say, all right, that's going to be a game where... I have no interest in really watching uh, come Wild Card Weekend. It's yeah, just... <laughs>
0: there's there's some potential for some uh, pretty ugly Wild Card games next week, to be honest. Uh, yeah. You know, if you get say like Kansas City at Houston, and maybe, oh, really, whoever ends up playing Washington, that game, especially if it's say Seattle, that game's gonna get ugly. So, half half of Wild Card Weekend could be a bit of a downer. Um, but, you know, we could also end up with the Minnesota Green Bay rematch. Um, Jets-Bengals might not be a terrible game. Uh, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's some potential here. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. And hopefully it's a good one. You know, I, I, uh, there are some years where I don't even watch some of the playoff games just because, like, the matchup's just so ugly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm hoping, you know, the only game I think I wouldn't watch this year, which is a good thing because I think the playoffs are pretty strong, um, it's just the Houston-Kansas City game. I think every other game is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> at yeah. least on paper. <laughs> um,
0: and then, of course, the race we'll be looking at from the opposite Opposite end of the spectrum is, of course, the race for the number one overall pick in the draft. And obviously, we talked about Tennessee a little bit, not having Mariota. So if they lose to Indy, which is pretty possible, they will lock up the number one seed because they still have a big lead over the Browns in strength of schedule. So the Browns are going to have to lose and hope the Titans somehow win at Indy to... uh, to claim the number one pick. Um, and th- and those two will probably end up being the, uh, the top two picks unless Cleveland somehow beats Pittsburgh, which I don't see happening with Austin Davis at quarterback and Pittsburgh fighting for a playoff spot. So those will probably be the top two picks. And then you've got the Chargers, Cowboys, and 49ers sitting at 3, 4, and 5 right now. So those are the races worth noting in the, uh, at the top of the draft board. Um, and then one other thing I find pretty interesting, the uh, Eagles-Giants game on Sunday, two, two teams that could both potentially be looking for new head coaches uh, in 2016. Whoever l- wins that game gets the privilege of playing at Seattle next regular season. The loser gets to go to London. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how those yeah. teams handle that game. I mean, obviously that's not going to be on their minds, but yeah, that's a neat little storyline. Loser of that game um, will end up finishing in third, meaning they'll be paired with the Rams. And again, as we saw, the one of the games is the Rams against an NFC East opponent in London. So yeah, so there's potential that the, we see the Eagles at uh, 9.30 in the morning in late October. Which is certainly something that would be, uh... I'd be interested in watching. I mean, who, who doesn't love football? I, I like these 9.30 kickoffs. I, I really do. You know, because it's a nice little quadruple header. You get, like, over 12 hours of live football a day. You know, so it's, uh... I mean, whoever's there, I enjoy watching. But especially now, if it's Philly, I'll find that really interesting uh, when they go up if they go up against the Rams. Um. So yeah, that's the yeah, not not too much with the playoff picture. Like I said, not not too much drama, but there is still some. Uh,
1: do you want to uh, do you to pick games? Well, I guess. Well, I guess we'd have to wait and see how they. Well, next week, I guess we'll pick games. Um, I keep forgetting that week 17's here. It Sounds so weird to say that, it, but, it really <laughs> does. And part of it is too is is like like you said. I mean, all but two teams are locked into the playoffs, and technically, Houston is almost assured. Yeah, you might thing, as well so. just
0: say Houston's in because like yeah, I said, the Colts need way too much to happen.
1: Yeah, to get in.
0: If they get in, it'll it'll be nothing short of a miracle. So,
1: so we did have. Two playoff games happened last night um, in the college football playoff.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, we had Clemson beating Oklahoma, and we had Alabama's destruction of Michigan State. Um, I picked both of those teams to win. Um, and actually, similar fashions, too. I kind of both played out how I predicted, which is kind of unfortunate. I was hoping for two better <laughs> games than yeah. what we ended up seeing. Of course, Ohio State destroyed Notre Dame today, which makes me very happy. Um,
0: yeah, these last couple of days were pretty nice for you as far as your teams go.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've made out pretty well. Um, State with
0: the big win and uh, Houston with the win over Florida State.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a great game. Good to see my uh, two, one of two alma maters, and then actually my my the first school I went to, Ashland University in Ohio, is a D two school, and they are ten and zero. On the seat they yeah they went ten and zero on this year, um, so congrats to them. Uh, won the conference championship, so um, great job, boys. Nice. Um, but yeah, so so moving forward, um, the eleventh is the granddaddy of them all, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking Rose Bowl, which Christian McCaffrey once again <sighs> put on a great show. Should wow, have been the Heisman winner. What Lin-
0: a performance!
1: Yeah, yeah, he I thought he should have been the Heisman winner, and so they just kind of reinforced it. Um, but what's your outlook for the national championship game, Clemson and Alabama?
0: Yeah, this, this is going to be a fun one. I think I'm really looking forward to watching this offense against the Alabama defense. I'm really surprised at how big the spread is already. Like to see Alabama is about a seven point favorite for the national championship game is.
1: That pretty, seems crazy.
0: It, it, it does. You know, I, I think Clemson can really put up a fight. Um,
1: And I'd also argue that the the team that they played, Michigan State, isn't that good. Um,
0: Yeah, there's no doubt Michigan State, I mean, they're ranked number three, but there's no doubt Michigan State was the quote-unquote weakest um, of four playoff teams. And the fact that Connor Cook played arguably his worst game of the season at the worst possible time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that everyone knew Ohio State was better. It just is one of those things where it's like because Ohio State lost that game, yep. a head-to-head game, which is unfortunate. You know, it's Ohio State's fault, like I've said before, um, but they really cost us, I think, a really good matchup there because Ohio State, man, they looked so good against Notre Dame. They it, it was like a two-score game, but really, though, I mean, that that game was a blowout. But, yeah, I mean, Bama, Bama and Clemson's going to be good, man. Like, Clemson's offense is, is, is a much different attack and it's it's that type of attack that usually gives Alabama headaches mm-hmm. with that spread, and then their defense is very talented as well. They've got talent all over the place. They um, really do. All three levels of the field. They're fast. They're physical. This is gonna be a tough matchup. Like this is they're very similar to what the old Urban Meyer Florida teams were, um, and I think that that's gonna that might I, honestly if if I'm betting this game. I would take uh, Clemson with the money line, let alone for the points. I think Clemson, I think they're going to win this game.
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, Clemson is on such a high right now. um, I, I think they can do it, too. I think they're riding a lot of momentum. You know, I mean, Dabo Sweeney said it best. You know, a lot of people mocked him for saying it, that, you know, people were doubting him. But, I mean, it's pretty obvious people were doubting Clemson with, you know, especially early on, how much of a favorite Oklahoma was, I mean, I didn't see what the line was when the game started, but I assume Oklahoma was still the favorite, so, you know, they're, they're definitely riding a lot of momentum, and you figure that they, they have to be playing with house money at this point, because, you know, all the focus is going to be on Alabama, so, uh, you know, I think Clemson's firing on all cylinders, Watson's playing well, uh, like you said, they're they have a lot of talent on defense, guys like Mackenzie Alexander in the backfield. Um, so I, I think they can do it. I think they can shut down Jake Coker, and uh, who knows? Maybe they'll have an even bigger pizza party
1: than they did
0: <laughs> before the playoffs started.
1: Yeah, a well, lot was made of that pizza party, Like, and I feel like you don't really uh... – hear too, too often about pizza parties <laughs> that was kind of a funny touch uh, on the pregame there when they were talking about that
0: yeah that was uh good 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 job sweeney though that was a uh, that was real classy to buy all that pizza
1: yeah i like that boy he seems like a cool guy he's, yeah. he's pretty funny to listen to um it's it'll be uh it'll be a dog fight um do you have a do you have like a score prediction you want to go with here uh, let's, I'll go with one first since I'm since I'm asking it. Um okay. give you a second there to think about it. I'll go. Uh, I think it's gonna be kind of low scoring. I think I'll go Clemson twenty four, and Alabama twenty. Just uh, I'll just go twenty. I'll say.
0: I'll say thirty one twenty four, Clemson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Still a close game there. Yeah. You know.
0: I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think Clemson, like I said, can hang in there and win. I just think, you know, given Alabama, you know, that big of a spread is just begging people to take Alabama. I I would certainly bet Clemson there as well. You know, seven point. Clemson undefeated is a seven point dog. You know, it's like they're the Panthers. No respect, I guess. (laughs) Right. It's like we go back to that Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. Just no respect, so. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it'll be a fun one, and we got ten days for the build up. Uh, but at least we still have some some good football games to watch. Well, at least just for this week, and then we gotta pretty much go a week before the games pick up again. Um, like, I don't know if you want to jump now into the rest of the New Year six. Some of those games, um, like we talked about, we mentioned the Rose Bowl earlier. I mean, f- first play from scrimmage too with Christian McCaffrey. It's like my goodness, like,
1: like yeah. You just sit there crazy. and watch
0: the game, and you're, you're just in amazement at everything the kid can do. Like you know, like maybe people, maybe a lot of people weren't too familiar with Cap McCaffrey just because you know, East Coast bias, you know, him being out on the West Coast. But man, and it's just 19 years old too. Like it's you. You would yeah. think the kid was like a senior or something, or the way he was playing. The kid's only a sophomore, so he's obviously coming back. Uh, they're they're obviously going to have a new quarterback though, because Kevin Hogan's gone. But man, when you have a kid like McCaffrey that can do what he does. Uh, just rely on him, and whoever plays quarterback will be fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. He's a, he's a special playmaker and. And you know I don't I don't know about NFL or anything like that yet. I'm gonna try to enjoy him um, as much as we can. Yeah. Um, but man, he he really is a fun a fun player to watch.
0: Um, and if, and I'm sure a lot of people were saying, you know, I bet you the uh, the Iowa was a fraud. Tweets or hot takes were probably flying all over.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Uh, with how bad they got blown out and I mean I guess they have a point the fact that you know they get blown out by Michigan State or however much they lost to Michigan State by and then they get blown out by uh by Iowa today so certainly wasn't the best of endings of the season uh for the Hawkeyes but you know still 12 and 2 is Still very impressive the fact that they got to the Rose Bowl, you know. So certainly, you know, nothing to hang their head about. But uh, oh
1: yeah, yeah, and it's you know for that program they came out of nowhere to do it. Yeah, you know they didn't play anybody throughout the year really, um, but you know regardless of that that doesn't mean twelve and two is not impressive. Um, and for a guy like Kirk Ferentz, I mean, hey, probably saves his job for the next you know, foreseeable future, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, that was kind of in doubt, I think, uh, what was going to happen with him. So, you know, it definitely matters. It matters to the people there. Um, and, and congrats on congrats for them on a great, on a really good season. Uh, no one, I, I certainly didn't expect it, um, from them. So, you know, I, I, I'd be very happy if I'm a, if I'm an Iowa fan. Um, and
0: that, I do also want to get your thoughts on Jared Goff. Like we obviously touched on him a little bit. Um, and by all accounts, he had a great game Oh yes. uh, against air force.
1: Yeah, he was fantastic. Just, just out of his mind. I mean, this, this was a game. Air force is a good team. Let me say that first. Jared Goff was in a bad position where people were going to either put down the competition. If he had a, if he had a good game and if he had a bad game, people were going to pounce on him for it. Um, You know, it's just one of those games where it's like he was playing a very similar team to his own, which is not super talented, but it's a well-coached team and it's a team that um, is scrappy. And you know that that I have a lot of respect for the Air Force because um, not even military-wise, just like as far as like how they play football, they're a really tough team to match up against. And you know he he shredded them. He really did. He shredded that defense. um, And you know, I think that what he, he did, six touchdowns, uh, four of them were very impressive. Two of them were wide open passes. Um, he, he was making throws that, I mean, just to all levels of the field that were clear NFL throws. What he does is, is very translatable. I think he is as good of a, a quarterback prospect minus Jameis Winston and Andrew Luck as we've seen come out, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, now I do think he needs some time. I think he needs some time to bulk up, give him a year. Ideally you wouldn't start him. Uh, you know, you'd let him sit, gain some strength, understand the NFL. But I mean, I would say that for almost every quarterback too. You know, I, I would say the same thing. I said the same thing about Marcus Mariota. Um, I didn't say it about Winston. Winston I thought could come in and play. I thought Teddy Bridgewater could come in and play. Um, Because those guys came from more traditional offenses in the NFL from what we see. But the NFL does do a great job of adjusting to their talent, their quarterback talent, and they're making it more spread-friendly. He's just a very highly intelligent player, and what he's able to accomplish in the pocket, extending plays, all that stuff's going to translate. And I I just think he's a bona fide top-five pick in this draft. Um, And and you compare him to Connor Cook doing terribly, Paxton Lynch, again, struggling, possibly at his first game of the year against Auburn um, as I'm finishing up his charts here tonight. So I don't think it's even a question. If you're looking for a quarterback and you're in the top ten picks, Jared Goff's your guy. And I'm not taking anyone else except for maybe Lynch. And the only way I'm taking Lynch if, is if I have a two-year plan for him. Um, he can play year two, but it's not ideal. I'll tell you that. I think he's got a long way to go.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that feel that this uh, this isn't a great quarterback class, um, but, you know, the whole supply and demand thing is probably going to push a couple of them up in the draft. So you may see a few go in the first round. You know, obviously, yeah. Goff will probably go in the first. Lynch can go in the first. Uh, wouldn't be surprising if Connor Cook still goes in the first. but
1: Yeah, you know, Cook, maybe even Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is um, possible, so you, yep. Like you said, the, the need is there. And, um but I, I do think it's a good depth class. I I think guys like Dak Prescott have improved enough to where like he might be like a a legit option for somebody looking at like a longer term project. Mm-hmm. Um, he played really well. Uh, Cardell Jones, don't forget about him. Again, more of a long term project, middle rounds. So it's it's a really interesting class. I don't think it's a bad class, uh, but it's not necessarily like a a quick impact class Mm -hmm. uh, that, that of course people would want. And, and, you know, understandably teams need help tomorrow. (laughs) They don't, they don't really have time to to sit there and and wait three, four years, like for like a Tyrod Taylor, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but that being said, there are a lot of guys that, that could really benefit from being given two to four years to develop and really probably become a functional player in the NFL. Yeah. So, uh,
0: Really looking, definitely looking forward to seeing uh, how the draft order shapes up, and then we'll kind of see where teams stack and where the team needs are, and possibly how far some of these quarterbacks can fall. Um, But man, it's it's just hard to believe that uh, it's all coming up so quick. Like we're pretty much starting next week. We'll we could start talking draft. Uh, senior bowls in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm actually contemplating going down there, you know, making, making the drive down to, uh, to Mobile, you know, nothing's set yet, but you know, it's, uh, it's on the table and.
1: Yeah. For, for anyone that can go, whether you have credentials or not, it's a great experience. Um, if you can get credentials, just go to seniorbull.com and you can apply. Um, what that does is that allows you to get field access um, after the practice is over to go interview players, which is an amazing experience. Great um, springboard for you know advancing your career if you're interested in that. Um, just the comfort of talking to players really uh, mm-hmm. is something that comes with experience and practice. Um, but it's a great environment. Really, the people that you're going to see and meet there. Um, that you see on Twitter and other mediums, that's really uh, just tr- tremendous value. So I I really can't recommend it enough. I'm probably not going to be able to go. Um, it's just going to be tough for me to get five days off, four or five days off of work um, to drive down myself. But um, I, I really hope you can go, Bill, because it, it really is a great time.
0: Yeah, like I said, hopefully, uh, you know, if I can get a week off of work, obviously, as well. <laughs> um, and if I... Because I wouldn't mind, I guess, at this point, making the drive down. You know, it's only a few days. um, And my car's pretty good on gas, so I wouldn't have to make too many stops. (laughs) So that's always a a plus. Um, And then, uh, you know, the fact that I'd have my car down there to, you know, do whatever. So, we'll see. I have a couple weeks to figure it out. But, uh, and of course this weekend, a couple more, a couple more bowl games, Penn State placed, well, Penn State plays Saturday, we'll say is that, you know, um, depending on when I put this up or when you guys listen, uh, Penn State could be playing as you're listening. <laughs> you could be listening to this, you could be listening to this at uh, 12 o'clock noon Saturday and Penn State will be kicking off in the Tax Slayer Bowl against Georgia, um, could be uh, Christian Hackenberg's final game as a Nittany Lion, uh, so we'll see how he goes out. Uh, looking forward to watching uh, Barkley in a bowl game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Georgia plays this game. Knowing, of course, that uh, you know this is Mark Rick's final game. Um, you know, whole new coaching staff coming in and. The fact that it's only the Tax Slayer Bowl, you know, not that it's a bad bowl, but still, you know, it wasn't the greatest of seasons for Georgia. So it'll be interesting interesting to see what the interest level is for Georgia and if Penn State can take advantage of it. Obviously, I'm hoping Penn State scores the W here uh, and, you know, caps off a pretty decent season.
1: Yeah, especially with how they recovered from... You know, kind of a shaky start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think the world's going to meet Barkley. And for people that don't know him, he's a darn good player, man. Darn good player. I don't know where they found him, but they did a great job. <laughs> that's, a, that's a special player.
0: Don't know where we found him, but we, we're glad they did.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's a fun, very fun player to watch.
0: Um, and a couple more bowl games tomorrow. I believe the Al- Alamo Bowl was tomorrow, which, you know, I said – in a previous show, was one of the bowl games that I was looking forward to. Um, Oregon, yeah, Oregon and TCU. You've got Kansas State, Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl, and you've got West Virginia against Arizona State in the Cactus Bowl. So some decent games, and then of course, as you mentioned, the big one on January 11th, Alabama versus Clemson. So, yeah winding down <laughs> winding down by the by the time we talk next week we'll be uh wrapping up the regular season and talking NFL playoffs and the college football championship boy it's like i said it's hard to believe from where we started in way back in june you know we were just talking about team previews and still a couple months away from the season and now here we are just 16 NFL regular season games left, uh, a handful of college games left. Boy, the offseason is going to be here very soon, very quick. Uh, but uh, def- definitely looking forward to the uh, offseason talk with you, of course.
1: Well, of course, of course. I'm sure there'll be plenty of juicy storylines that, that emerge. Uh, the NFL is definitely a drama-filled league. Uh, it is a, a men's version, and of course, women as well. Um, but you know, mainly men uh, as their demographic. Mm-hmm. It's like a men's uh, a men's sitcom, I guess, or a men's uh, at nah, night. A sitcom, a men's uh, like a soap opera. A soap opera, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we just can't help ourselves with all the drama.
0: Yeah, it's like the kind of like the real life version of the WWE. <laughs> you WWE know, WWE's like there has its version of being a men's soap opera. The NFL has their own version of being a men's soap opera. So it's, uh, it's really fun in that aspect.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, It's our guilty pleasure. It is. No one likes to call it the the men's soap opera. So no one thinks of it like that, but now if you start referring it to that, it, it can just be your guilty pleasure. That's right.
0: Uh, so any final thoughts before we, uh, wrap up this bad boy?
1: Not really. Just, uh, you know, I'm just going to enjoy these these last couple weeks as much as I can, and uh, it'll be a busy off season of, of writing about what happened this past off season and yep. projecting forward to next year. So it's always a fun time.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so again, looking forward to next week's show where we kind of wrap up the regular season and we start looking forward to the NFL playoffs. Uh, It's a fun time. It's hard to believe. So, uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the uh, final week drama. And, you know, enjoy the bowl games and all that good stuff. And, of course, catch you back here next week for more football talk. So, for Ian Wharton, I am Bill Rossetti. Thanks as always for listening and enjoying. And we'll see you next time right here on the Gridiron Graduates. Take care, everybody.